Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Okay, we have a short time left. I feel like we've already had church, and uh, I'll, I'll share a part of the teaching and then we'll hit the rest of it next week because I don't want to uh, contract this message at all because it's so deeply important. And uh, it's about the journey of finding uh, our purpose in life, but more than our purpose, our identity, how all that gets wrapped up, how the distortion of teachings from the past uh, centering in your, regarding your destiny, uh, those type of things and and for Americans that gets really uh, it just gets so strangely mixed up about how important it is and then there's all also there's this wonderful thing in identity and finding such Americans like this no every everybody around the world likes this and that's the hidden person the uh, the man with no name uh, is throughout literature whether whether you uh, you know, uh, I think of so much. I think of the green man in, in Celtic lore and that he's never known. He's never known by a name. He's just called the green man. Uh, some of you are aware of that or not. And he's always there throughout all of history. And uh, uh, whether it's John Wayne, the silent man, uh, Wesley from The Princess Bride, the dread pirate Roberts with his mask on, uh, being able to say to Princess Buttercup, as you wish. And we like that about identity. We like that hiddenness. So I've been starting sermons with uh, reading some poetry, and a couple of you liked it. That was an Irish joke, too. So... And, uh, and even one asked me to keep doing it. So since one stood out, uh, this morning I'll read you an Emily Dickinson poem. Emily Dickinson's that silent person. She's that hidden person. Uh, she only lived 56 years. Uh, I don't think that many, unless you're a literature freak, uh, most people don't pay attention to her, though uh, she was the forerunner of... Uh, so many singers and uh, songwriters and everything. She was born in 1830, and she uh, just died way too young. And nobody except her closest friends knew that she was a poet. None of them were ever published. She lived her life in obscurity. She never married. Though through some of her poems, especially three of them, very passionate poems about someone that she called her master, uh, she never married, never had children, uh, and uh, she died as an unknown person. And then four years later, they published the first book of her poetry, and uh, she became so famous after that. So 19th century, and think about this, I'm going to read you a poem. 
Uh, none of her poems were really titled. They just took a line from the poem and put a title on that. They, some poetic societies number them, so this is number 260. I'm nobody. Who are you? Are you nobody too? Then there's a pair of us. Don't tell. They'll advertise, you know. How dreary to be somebody. How public, like a frog, to tell one's name the live long June to an admiring bog. She was against paparazzi before paparazzi was invented. And she loved the idea of being talented and gifted and being there and being formed in hiddenness. And that it was just wearisome that people had to make a name for themselves. Like a frog croaking. By the way, the live long June means to, it's the, the summer without end, means to live it fully out. And, uh, you know, but a frog croaking to the bog. If that is an image today of what Facebook and Twitter are, I don't know what is. So maybe I should just send the, no, never mind. I'll remain silent and hidden with all of you. Jesus, uh, open up your word to us this morning. Lord, we would see just what was prayed about earlier, that we would see the magnificence of what you've done in your gospel. Lord, today, people are calling it the message of grace. It was your gospel. It was always your gospel. It never changed. We did. Your covenant never changed. We did. Your covenant was never mixed up. We were. I like the way you straighten us out. Would you help us see an insight into how we make decisions and what we do with our lives this day? And we'll bless you for it. In Jesus' name. So we've looked at finding God's will for what you're to do with your life, that it comes out of these things. Defining your core values. Really write them down and look at them. Your natural leanings. This is Psalm 37. The things that you like and dislike, those are gifts from God. Most of us think it's just our personality. That's a gift from God. But it says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean he'll give you everything you want. It means he'll plant desires there. He puts desires in us that are God-given. So when you have a desire or propensity that leans towards something, uh, uh, that you like sports or you like baseball, that's a God-given gift. It's wonderful. Or that you like fishing. That's a really God-given gift. I mean, oh my Lord. He has a special attachment to fishermen. Just read the gospel. It's right there. James and John were in the circle of favorites. As am I. The Lord visits me often in the boat. Listen to what others say about you. Listen to how others describe you. Uh, have the courage without uh, self-deprecation sometime to ask a good friend, so what do you see in me, really? Without fishing for a compliment and tell them that. Say, hey, I'm, I'm not trolling here to you know, get you to, to say how wonderful I am. When you see me, what do you think of? Just try it sometime. 
and, uh, and see what the response is. I think you'll be shocked. If you give somebody permission to be completely honest, they will be. Most. Most will be. Um, I had an old uh, friend who, who was well known, and I don't want to bring up his name, but he, he's talking through this, and he said to me, Lloyd, he said, flattery's a sin, but praise is legitimate. So when somebody sees something in you and praises you for it, don't do that religiously. Oh, no, no, it's all the Lord. It's all God. Just say thank you. Just be humble enough to go, thanks for seeing that in me. That really encourages me. And that takes all the weird religion that we like to put on it out of it. We all like to put it on it, you know, because it's really hard when you think about what real humility is. Because real humility is being exactly who God made you to be. That's the meekness of humility, is, is not trying to be somebody that you aren't, but being totally who God made you to be. That's a humble person. What if that's arrogant? Oh, they'll let you know. People have a tendency to vote. And it comes back. But listen to what they say about you. Seek God. How do I do that? Lord, show me. It's really easy. Stay focused and do the mundane things in life. That means just keep doing what's set before you to find out what you're supposed to do. It's little things. It's tying the shoelace so you don't trip over yourself. Symbolically. Look over your, personal, your own personal history in God. Rehearse your life. David did it. We have that in the Psalms. David rehearsed his life for us over and over and over again. And this is what Isaiah says about David. Through the, the Lord says actually to us through Isaiah about David. Everybody wants to be like David. And he said, I'm going to make an example of him to you. Of leadership. I want a heart like David. He's pretty wicked. Come on. He committed adultery. He had a man killed. He's a murderer. He pretended that he was crazy. That was all after Goliath. God, make me... Don't ever pray, make, give me a heart like David. Ask for Jesus' heart. He was a perfect one. And pray God never wants to expose you like he did David. How'd you like to have all your stuff out there? Talk about the days of our lives. Ah, there she was on the roof. Oh, yeah. God hides most of our stuff. Isn't he such a gentleman? So kind. So sweet. But look over your own personal history in God. Not, not just the successes either. When God showed up on your worst day, he never abandoned you. He never left you alone. And then analyze your stuff. Analyze your gift mix. And I, and I want you to hear this this morning, that there's a lot of things that can get in the way, you know, of, of destiny, of your purposes in God. There really are. There's a lot of things. Just listen to them. Wrong definitions of success. We can really get that mixed up. The word success is used one time in the Bible. Successful, to be successful. One time. 
It's, it's really an amazing story, an amazing thing. It's Joseph when he's pulled out of a pit and he's standing on the auction block being, if you will, buck naked, being sold as a slave to Potiphar. He's lost everything. He's lost his family, his culture, his language. He doesn't know how to speak Egyptian. He'd never seen it before. He's a kid. He's 18. And he's being sold because his brother's betrayed. He's lost everything. And that's where it says in this wonderful verse, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. On his worst day, God declares he was a successful man. Uh, he actually became the ruler of Egypt. He was the prime minister. Did everything. We don't see things correctly. We don't, uh, we, we don't understand. Wrong definitions of success can really jack up what you're trying to do. And you can find the right definitions in the Word of God. It's right there. It's right clear. It's, right, it's within in the framework of His grace. Grace is always filled with right principles. See, I, I always get this attack that grace is sloppy, sloppy grace. No, it's not. It's filled with every right principle in the Word of God. I don't want to live less right. I want to live more right. I notice more where I miss the mark now than I ever did before. It's just now I know who my advocate is. And he doesn't change. And he doesn't turn away. And he doesn't stop. So those, those things, those definitions of success are completely different. Fear, man, fear's the killer. Wrong priorities. Impatience. Impatience ruins a humble heart. <laughs> it just gets in the way, man. Hindered by your past failures, now suddenly you got learning blocks. Now you say, well, I'll never do that again. Well, yes, you will. Oh, yes, you will. <laughs> no, I will never, ever say that again. Yeah, you will. Disobedience, it can be a killer. You can disobey in grace. That's just that grace is there to deal with your disobedience. I don't like it when I disobey the Lord at all. Wrong priorities, lack of faith, unforgiveness, complacency. Oh man, complacency. It's just a, such a hindrance of what you're to do with your life. Can't find the right decision, so I won't make any decision. Well, now you got to go sing Beatles songs. He's a real nowhere man sitting in his nowhere land, making all his nowhere plans for nobody. Gee, that's exciting. I have a great destiny ahead of me. Doesn't work. Doesn't compute. What if what you're to do with your life looks something like putting your hand in the Savior's hand and all those songs we sang and just trusting Him? 
What if you started declaring openly, like we did with the Kennedys, about your friendship with Jesus? In, in everything, in business, in what you do, that everybody knows that you have a friendship with God. Not that you're religious, not that you're, I'm going to serve God with gladness. You don't look so happy to me. Are you serving the Lord? What, what if you just walked with your friend? I think of all the things I'm learning at this stage in life. And I, when I went through my transition just a couple of years ago, and I had a dream, and it was about being in my living room, and the Lord was there, and He was there as my friend. He wasn't there in any other capacity. He was so kind. He kept patting my leg and rubbing my arm the way my mom used to do. He kept giving me assurances. He said, buddy, I got this. You don't have to worry about anything. I got this. Can I give you some advice? I went, huh, yeah, I'll be good. He said, lay off the cheese. <laughs> so I have, to, for the most part. I don't have a gallbladder, so cheese really is like awful. And I love it. I love cheese. He said, change the way you're working. You're going to hurt yourself. Slow down. Take breaks. Work half of what you used to. He was so kind and patted my leg. He said, don't be overly concerned with the politics of men. This was before all this stuff in 2020 hit. And boy, that's one of the hardest ones to keep my nose out of. I certainly have opinions. If they listen to them, they'd be a lot better off. <laughs> but I'm a nobody. Who are you? They'll find out. Listen, start searching the scriptures. Seriously, start doing some of this stuff in that list. doesn't matter where you're at in life. To do the biggest mistake that we make over mistakes is we don't evaluate them. We're going to give you some tools on how to do this so it quits shutting you down. And you can take on the heart of a learner. That's all that God wants. He's, you can't do it without Him. But... With a learner, I can learn to do things. Really learn to do them. He, Isaiah puts this this way. He says, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite heart and an open spirit. Huh? Who wants to learn? You want to learn? Don't ever quit learning. If you quit learning, you might as well quit. You learn. And you keep learning. And you keep learning. You keep adding things. And it's good. And it's God. So we'll look at this next week. I'll look at you. Three principles to make wise decisions. Just three principles that are right there. They're not, there's probably more. I narrowed it down to three because I'm not so good at doing 12 and 15. Let me pray for you.
pray for us. God, would you grant us, grant unto us what it says in Ephesians 1? That you would open up the eyes of our understanding. That you would enlighten us. That you would show unto us even that that thing that's called revelation of who you are. That you would implant it into us so that we could know who we are. We can't find ourselves if we don't know who you are. We keep looking in all the wrong places. So we say with Paul, we would know you. Oh, to know him. We would know you, God, because you know us. Help us along that life's journey. Show us, lead us, guide us. Help us not to fear that. It's so scary to look at ourselves. Help us to no longer fear it and just say, I need you. Help us, God. We'll trust you. We'll trust you. Lord, I used to say that faith was spelled risk. But I know now it's spelled trust. I trust you. For each person here, I trust you. Let them have a good week of exploring, of finding, of knowing. Help our youth as they can do it on that on that get-out-of-town journey. Help the Kennedys as they start leaving tomorrow. Help us, God, because you're our friend. In Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We all stand up and greet each other for a while and bless each other.